What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I, I, I just think, and I talked about this on my podcast a little last week, because I just think it's an it's a it's a it's a cycle cycle cyclical league, right? Cyclical. It is at times. Okay, whatever. But either way, you got it. You I got, got it. it. I know. You started. Yes. You started to fall off the cycle. Right. And but then you but then you got it. I've fallen off many of cycles in my day. Some fun for Monday's edition of VFT Live. You never know. You never. That wasn't. That's not a simsism. No. It was close. No. It was close. But but not quite. There no. will be more. There no. will be more. And I Mia's- still. I I watched. I watched several times last week the best of 2020 simsisms. It really is impressive. Thank you. Thank you. It really is great. Hey, work. please hold the applause. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I know it's impressive. And you know I don't have a great history with the bike either. You know I got I got hit by a car when I was 12. So me and cycles aren't great. Racing a friend uh, across the street into my dri- his driveway, across the street into my driveway. I don't, we were 12. We were idiots. We didn't look up and down the street. I don't know. And it was the wrong day to be winning the race. And I got hit by a car, knocked all my front four teeth out. These beauties are fake. Got a bunch of stitches on my face. So uh, in- interrupted Big Phil's training camp a little bit for a day or so because he had to come visit me in the hospital. So uh, me and the bicycle aren't, aren't best of friends. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't imagine getting that call as a father and I can't imagine having that collision as a kid who was reckless on a bicycle too, but, uh, never got hit by, almost got hit by a car one time on a big wheel. Do they still make the big wheel? You know, that thing <laughs> Yeah. that literally the big wheel and the right. two little ones and you pedal it like this. I rock. see it around yeah, every was, now and then. Yeah. Yeah. I shot out, I shot out into the road and my mom saved me from getting flattened by a Buick. So, uh, <laughs> Good Otherwise, thing she we wouldn't did. be having this conversation right <laughs> No, you now. wouldn't. We would have been dead for 50 years <laughs> by now. All right. Uh, on that happy note, it's a Tuesday edition of PFT Live. We've got an hour still to go. And th- this issue in Philadelphia that bubbled up on Sunday night is going to last for a lot more than an hour into the future. This is something that I think the Eagles are going to be dealing with throughout the offseason. When we were talking about it yesterday, Chris, it reminded me of what the Seahawks dealt with for multiple years after Super Bowl Forty Nine. Yeah. The, 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 the consternation in the building and the criticism from outside the building. And I think it was a bigger deal inside. This is both for the Eagles. So yesterday, the process of trying to dig out of this hole continued. It was after the game that Doug Peterson was asked about why he put in Nate Sudfeld. He said he was playing to win the game. Yesterday, he had a joint press conference with GM Howie Roseman, and Peterson was asked, now that he's had a chance to sleep on it, and understand that people are upset. Does he have any more to say about the way things went down in that game with Jalen Hurts being removed for Nate Sudfeld? Here's what Peterson had to say yesterday in response to that question. A bit, and, um, uh, you know, quite frankly, I I look at the entire body of work. I look at the entire season, and and it's definitely not the season that we all had anticipated. And, you know, our our offensive struggles have, have not been about you know, one one position group or, or one guy or, 
you know, uh, whatever. It's 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 been a it's been a a multi multitude of of issues that we've had, and 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 again last night in that game. You know, we were in a situation where we, we we failed to score as an offense. We failed to score there at the end of the third quarter. We were we were struggling just a little bit to move the ball. Defensively, they kept us kept us in the game with a couple of takeaways late. And 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 my plan was to was to get Nate in the game. Nate Nate's Nate's a guy that that is very capable of of running our system and, and executing and, and and an opportunity to 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 pull that game out last night. He said a lot of things. Nothing he said was responsive to the question he was asked, other than, I have thought about it. Other than that, he starts rambling through all of these other pastures that have nothing to do with the question. And I get it because, look, Chris, what can they say? What can they say? There's nothing they can say. And it dawned on me yesterday, if all of these accusations and allegations that they deliberately tried to lose, or as you pointed out yesterday, and I think it's a valid point, and I mentioned it last night on PFT, the idea that they were trying to get Jalen Hurts out of the game before he had a great win that would make it harder to put Carson Wentz back on the field next year. Right. Anything other than we try to win the game. If they're being accused of this, we tried to lose the game, and it's false, they need to be upset. They need to be shouting and yelling, and they need to be in people's faces saying, how dare you suggest that we would impugn the integrity of the game with this kind of behavior. Of course we wouldn't do that. They're not doing that. They're on the defensive, not the offensive, totally. which tells me that this is exactly what happened. This is exactly what they were doing, and they have a mess that they're going to have to clean up. Even though, I, look, I understand why they I did, did it. I too. It makes sense. But in that moment, man, it's a tough one to pull off when you had everyone thinking the Eagles were going to come out and play that game to win, not play that game to lose and get a higher draft pick. Well, and it sounds like that's where, you know, he led his football team to believe that they were going to play to win. I mean, we heard the comments from Jim Schwartz and everything like that about this is a no-hat game. They didn't want to see NFC East Division hats, you know, champion hats on their, on their field after the game, all that. So the players were led to believe that they were, as an organization, trying to win the game. I'm with you, Mike. I mean, I understand it. I get the movement. I do. You know, you just don't know. Again, I mean, you know, nine and six. All right. Yeah. Oh wow. You know, we beat Washington. Whoa, whoop de doo. We're five and eleven. We're five, ten, and one. Oh wait, man. There's a guy at pick number seven that would change our football team. Man, I wish we didn't win that meaningless, stupid game against Washington. I get that. I do. The risk is what we're seeing, though. We're seeing the risk right now. The crap, the crap has hit the fan. There's no other way to say it. We're hearing players are pissed off. They're reeling. He's reeling. He didn't answer the question like you said. He tried to say that they that he made the move to Sudfeld to like basically jumpstart the offense. Is that what he was trying to say there, that they didn't score on a drive? Well, they would have scored if you kicked the field goal on fourth and four, Doug. So... Uh, obviously, I don't know why can't why can't they just say it? What what's what's wrong with just going? Yes, no. Why? We all because, know it right now. Right, we all know it. I, I think they can't say it for two reasons. Okay, one is the league office will descend on them with the same kind of zeal that we saw the league office descend on the Saints in Bounty Gate and the Patriots in the various Spy Gates and Deflate Gate. The league is not going to do anything about this unless someone says, oh, we were trying to lose. They're not going to second guess roster decisions made in game, who plays, who doesn't. They're not going to do it because they know it's impossible to prove anything. But if they admit it, then you're done. That's number one. That's why they're not going to admit it, because if they admit it, the league will clobber them. Number two, and this is a, a point that I think we alluded to yesterday, but I don't think I emphasized it enough, and I'm going to write a dedicated post about this later today on PFT. The spread of legalized gambling complicates this so much because every bet that's placed is, is done under the premise that the team is trying to win the game. And your point about Jim Schwartz, that's a great pull. That's a great point because when he says this is a no T-shirt, no hat game, that sends the message to everyone, we're not laying down. 
we're treating this as mini bowl game, right? This is our exit for the season. We get a chance to walk off the field the last game of the regular season, knowing that that team across from us was playing for everything and we were playing for nothing and we kicked their butts. Schwartz set that tone. So when you and I picked the Eagles, we picked the Eagles under the premise that it was a no T-shirt, no hat game. And we thought fair and square 60 minutes the Eagles would beat them. So, and I was pissed about it and I didn't have any money on it, right? Yeah. People out there who bet on the Eagles are going to be upset. And as it's legal, I see when it's illegal, who are you going to complain to? Well, you know, I got a problem with my bookie. Well, who cares? It's illegal. When it's legal, then you start calling your congressman, your senator, whoever, then it becomes a bigger deal. That's why the NFL needs to be concerned about what happens. And I don't know what the solution is. No. But that's why the NFL needs to be concerned. Well, yeah, gamblers, you better just not bet on these type of games. I mean, that's that's you know, that that would be my advice to them. That's just anytime there's this, there's this there's the threat of this happening. Uh why can't the Eagles come out and just say something as in Hey, we were trying to win the game, but in the process, we we needed to evaluate players for 2021. You know, that's another way I just go ahead. What? Well, you say that last week, and and in hindsight, I you know, Peterson kind of hinted around that Nate Sudfeld may play, but he didn't he wasn't that that express about it. My point is that's a seed you need to plant before the yeah, game, yeah. not after the game. Yeah. If you say it before the game, instead of this is a no hat, no t shirt game. Okay, after the game, it's it's a it's a tougher sell because it's something you should have made clear before the game started. Yeah, okay, I, I I get that. You're right. It is a tougher sell. There's no doubt about it. Listen, they're 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 in a tough spot here. There's no doubt they're going to have to deal with this for probably a few days. Hearing this, but all in all, it still goes back to they thought this was the right thing for their organization. Now, we're going to see how it plays out. I don't think we're going to know if this was the right thing for their organization right now. Let's see what happens in the draft, and let's see what the backlash continues to be from their football team. Doug Peterson, the one thing he, he's been phenomenal at managing players and personalities in his football team with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I got to think that he welcomed this in in some ways just because of he's got to have confidence in self that he could talk to the guys the right way in the locker room and smooth this over but if guys feel like they were lied to or you know or bs to some degree last week in preparation for the game that's going to be a deeper wound and there's going to have to be some healing there and so maybe some more heart-to-heart type of talks that yeah to repair the locker room a little bit might have to happen I remember when Peterson got the job, Jeffrey Lurie touted this concept of emotional intelligence, and it caused me and maybe others to just assume that Doug Peterson was this Svengali that was always going to say the right thing and do the right thing and have the right relationships. But the evidence is there that that maybe he's not based upon how this was handled, based upon these reports that Carson Wentz thinks their relationship is fractured beyond repair. And, and we're going to talk about Wentz skipping out on talking to the media yesterday, which may kind of lend some credence to the idea that he's upset with Doug Peterson and Peterson hasn't handled it. It could just be that Chip Kelly set the bar so damn low for emotional intelligence in Philadelphia that anyone would have more than Chip Kelly had when it relates to dealing with players and media and everyone else. But uh, yeah, I, I think there are real questions about people skills and about understanding what you need to say to your players and when and how, because they failed. This was this was a, a huge unexpected pass fail test, Chris, and they failed it. They did. I mean, to this point, they definitely did fail it. Now we'll see in the off season. You know, the roster, what guys start to say, how the draft unfolds. You know, what's Philadelphia going to say, and the fans and some of the players say if you know, at, okay, the draft comes around and they get some stud at number six where everybody's excited, that might lessen the blow too. So I think this is something that's going to kind of resonate here throughout the spring and everything like that. We'll see you know, how the Eagles can handle it best going forward. The best they could do going forward is trade the sixth pick for the ninth pick and get some huge haul so then they can say, look at what we got. Look at what we got right. for for losing that game. Will you please leave us alone now? Please, please, please. But I, I don't think that's going to happen because they're probably going to drive too hard of a bargain if whoever has the ninth pick wants the sixth pick, depending upon who's available in that spot. 
Um, there was the report last night from Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer. We kind of alluded to it that there were there were problems on the sideline during the game. Multiple defensive players wanted to confront Doug Peterson and were prevented from doing so. Jason Kelsey and another offensive player actually went to Peterson during the game with kind of a "what gives" uh, explanation, which which underscores your point, Chris. He didn't set this up mm-hmm. internally. He led them to believe that they were going to go out there and they were going to try to beat Washington. And, you know, in everything he said and everything he did in the week of preparation, that's the message that they got, whether it was what he said before the game in the locker room, what he said at halftime, all of a sudden it flips. It just tells me that it was handled so poorly that these players didn't see it coming, that we didn't see it coming, that no one saw it coming, that that, that, that exacerbates the problem. Well, yeah. And uh, uh, the report in the Inquirer shows that he's got – issues outside and inside that he's going to have to deal with De- definitely and I think what makes it worse because you know you, you know like you just pointed out it sounds like there was no warning to the players during the week what makes it worse for the players at least right from that standpoint is they were on the field putting their butts on the line throwing their bodies around and this is where it really hurts they were out there going we can beat this team we're every bit as good. We're better. We can win. And they were out playing Washington. I mean, they really were in a lot of ways to where, yeah, that was scary. So that will piss off players even more because they're sitting there going, wait, we got we, we can beat them. We're, yeah, I know they're going to the playoffs, but I'm blocking them. I'm feeling it out here. We have the energy and the team to beat them today on this given night. And then to have that kind of just – bam, knife in the tire, deflation, like, what? We're putting Nate Sudfeld out there? You know, that that's the killer. And that's probably where Jason Kelsey's like, what gives, dude? You know, I just pulled and had to smash my head into Chase Young 12 times. Now you're going to tell me we're not really playing? And that is the problem. And that's where he's going to have to have some tremendous people skills uh, to figure this one out. Ron Rivera, coach of the Washington football team, addressed the issue yesterday in the aftermath of winning the game and in turn winning the NFC East. Here's what Rivera had to say. You play who's out there. I'm not going to apologize for winning. Apparently that's what everybody wants me to do is apologize for winning. I'm not going to because you play the game as it's set up. Okay. Nobody complained when Pittsburgh did what they did last night against Cleveland. I mean, come on, this, this is just the way it is. Okay. We got in the playoffs. We're seven and nine. Okay. I've been seven, eight, one in the playoffs. I was on an eight and eight team that was in the playoffs. And you don't apologize for getting into the playoffs. Okay. You apologize for losing in the playoffs. At least I believe you do, but you don't apologize for getting in because it's, it's been a hard role for us. And, and, and nobody seems to care about that. Nobody cared two weeks ago when we didn't have our best, some of our best players. Nobody cared last week when we didn't have them. So why should we be concerned? A coach decides to do something he thinks is best for his team. Okay, that's the thing I think people need to understand. This is just the way the game's played. This is just the way things happen. A lot of people are happy about it. A lot of people aren't happy about it. And that's just tough. That's just the way it is. Okay. I mean, so many things have happened in this world that are tough, that are hard. Okay. This is just the game that we're playing. And we're going to play the game as it comes to us. And I'm not going to apologize. I'm, I'm not. That's just the way it is. I like I like feisty Ron Rivera. I do too. And I, the, but there is a fundamental difference between strategically resting starters in advance of the postseason versus strategically removing starters in the hopes of losing so you get a higher draft pick or, as the case may be, removing Jalen Hurts before he does something that will make it impossible to go back to Carson Wentz next year, which is also a potential explanation. There's a chance it's both reasons yeah, why I that ultimately so. happened. Right. But but there is a there is a difference. So And and that's kind of what bothers me about some of the, the things that we're hearing in response. Don't compare it to removing starters when you've clinched the one seed or you've decided we're probably not going to get the two seed. Buffalo's going to beat Miami, so we're not going to put Ben Roethlisberger out there. We're going to give him the week off to get him ready for the playoffs. That is fundamentally different than choosing to lay down and lose the game for strategic reasons unrelated to this year. These are issues of what's best for my team next year. Yeah. Uh, and 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 look, here, here's the thing. I, it's, it shouldn't be taboo. The fact that the NFL has traditionally said, oh, nobody tanks. We don't see evidence of that. Everybody tries to win every single game. 
the fact that they have pushed that for so long and ignored the tanking that can happen, that is in plain sight, the temptation is there. As long as you let the worst team have the first pick in the draft and fill out the rest of the first round based upon worst all the way to Super Bowl winner, you're going to have that temptation. But they, 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 they want to act like it's not there. It's there. And they act like it doesn't exist. So when it happens, people are stunned. I, I was texting with my niece, the huge Browns fan, yesterday. She was oblivious to all these issues and motivations. Most fans are. Yeah, right. Because, because they act like it's not part of the strategy. But it is for some teams. And we saw that Sunday night. It's going to continue to be more of a strategy. The day of analytics and all of those things. And, you know, again, more knowledge about assets and trades and things like that. You know, the fact that there's a salary cap with first-round picks and all of that, they're more easily moved assets, too, at this point, that I would think we're going to continue to see more and more of this type of play. You know, again, we know it's risky. Yes. The biggest reason we're talking about it, though, is like kind of just what you just said. That proves it. We're talking about it because it's never been thrown in everybody's face the way it was Sunday night, where you're going, wait. This team looks like they're going to pull off the upset. What? Wait, this is national TV. This is a playoff caliber game. There's another team at home that is depending on a team to get in the playoffs. Wait, they're they're taking a the quarterback out who's been successful lately and putting a guy in that we've never seen before and doesn't even look right out there on the football field? Wait, that doesn't seem right. And I think that's where it's just blown up because like you said, it's the first time the really, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, for lack of a better way, low level, just part time pay attention to the NFL has had this smack them in the face. And it's it's taken, you know, sports media by storm here the last 24 hours. And, and I think that's right. The casual fan, the Super Bowl Sunday fan, the late season fan, the did my team make it to the playoffs? That's all I care about right. fan is like, what? Wait a minute. Why is everybody upset? What's going on here? Why aren't the Giants in the playoffs? What did the Eagles do? And when they start getting answers to those questions, they're like, well, I don't agree with that. And and that's what's adding to this becoming a bigger deal than maybe anyone thought it was going to be as it was happening on Sunday night. We had some feisty Ron Rivera. We also have another coach in the NFC East who is not happy with what happened and its aftermath. Now, Rivera's happy with what happened. He's not happy with the aftermath. Judge isn't happy with what happened, and he's part of the aftermath. Here's Joe Judge, the Giants coach, with his thoughts on what the Eagles did on Sunday night. Obviously, players have asked me throughout the day, and, and I just can't express that. I think one thing to keep in mind with this season is we had a lot of people opt in to this season. Okay, we had a lot of people opt in. All right, coaches, players, that includes family members as well. All right, so to look at a group of grown men who I asked to give me effort on a day in, day out basis and to empty the tank, and then I can look them in the eye and assure them that I'm always going to do everything I can to put them at a competitive advantage and play them in a position of strength. To me, you don't ever want to disrespect those players and their effort and disrespect the game. The sacrifices that they made to come into work every day and test before coming in, to sit in meetings spaced out, to wear masks, to have shields over those masks, to go through extensive protocols, to travel in unconventional ways, to get text messages at 6.30 in the morning telling practice is going to be canceled, we have to do a virtual day, okay, to tell them please don't have your family over for Thanksgiving, please avoid Christmas gatherings, we know it's your wife's birthday, let's make sure we put that one off to the off season. There's a number of sacrifices that have been made by all the players and coaches in this league. There's a number of sacrifices that come along as well with the family members of the people connected to them. To disrespect the effort that everyone put forward to make this season a success for the National Football League, to disrespect the game by going out there and not competing for 60 minutes and doing everything you can to help those players win, we will never do that as long as I'm the head coach of the New York Giants. You know, a lot of people were motivated and inspired and driven by what Judge had to say. There's some logical flaws in there, 
And I don't want to quibble too much with it. The idea that we had people opt in to play the season, that was to play the season. That wasn't to determine who gets the privilege of the 32 teams to play in the postseason. They worked hard to get the games in so people could earn their money and pursue their livelihood. This wasn't, well, everyone opted in, so we have this this stronger duty to the integrity of the game. I think he goes a little too far with that. Okay. But I can understand why he's upset. Right. I understand why he's upset. He should be upset. Um but at the same time, he should understand that there may be a chance at some point down the road if the Giants on his watch are 3-12 and going into Week 17 and John Mara comes to him and says, I think we'd like to see what the backup quarterback can do this weekend, if you know what I mean. I mean, that's always there. And that's my other point too, Chris, and I'll let you chime in. If he truly is upset about it, he shouldn't be talking to the media. He should be going to John Mara, one of the most influential owners in the NFL, and saying, hey, John, you should do something about this. You've got the hotline to the commissioner like like uh, like they had at the Batman back in the day, the red phone, and you pull the, the, the head of the statue up and you pick up the phone. Whatever they did, they press the button, the bat signal, all that stuff. You can go to the commissioner and you can say, this is unacceptable, do something about it. So I, I, don't, I don't think – that John Merrill will, because again, I think the league is just kind of like we don't we don't want to get our hands dirty with this. We don't want to dignify this. We just rather it all go away. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think so, and because it, it's a tough spot. What is the league really going to do here in this spot? Like you said, there's there's really a no win situation. To shed more light on it, it's only going to bring it into people's you know their 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 sight anyways. As far as like. Oh, this does go on. Wow, I didn't know it happened then, and it happened here. And so, they're, they're, the NFL wants nothing to do with this. You know, the big thing is, hey, the Eagles did what was they felt was best for their organization. You can never fault them for that. Okay, but what Joe Judge does do? I mean, first off, I mean, you're right. You know, the COVID thing. Sure, it is a more of a, a of a tough year. And I feel like you want to respect players a little bit more because of all the things they've had to, to go through. But that doesn't have anything to do with this conversation. But I think the number one thing Joe Judge shows right there is everything we've talked about. That is what he, that's why you have talked to longtime NFL people who go, this is why this is a dicey, scary situation to involve into the culture of your football team for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's why I think a lot of big-time coaches never did these type of things because they don't want that ever to be infused into their locker room or have their players think, whoa, my coach BS'd me or lied to me. What else is he lying about and all of those type of things. And then again, the coaches are the ones that are always, we compete in meetings. We compete in practice. We compete all day long. We got to lay it on the line. That's how we're going to differentiate ourselves from this close league is we're going to compete at everything. And then eh? No, that doesn't happen in week 17. So Joe Judge at least gave you, I think, a great look and do like, hey, this is why you don't do it. And this is the message he wants to send to his team. And Doug Peterson's going to have to clean up his message to his team. We need someone other than Joe Judge to carry that flag, You're right. though, because Joe Judge obviously He's is personally. the one most right. interested in it. Right. Mike McCarthy would be good to play that flag because, like, hey, we went out there and busted our butts winning a game thinking that we had a chance to maybe get to the playoffs if we won that game. If we'd have known, well, why why did we try to win? Why did we go all out to try to keep our hopes alive for the postseason? One last point before we go, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we could talk about this issue, I think, for a full two hours if we wanted to. Carson Wentz avoided talking to the media yesterday, and this is a different twist on all of this because Carson Wentz has been the subject of reporting that he wants out of Philadelphia, and Chris Mortensen of ESPN reported on Sunday that the relationship between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson is fractured beyond repair. That clearly is not coming from the Eagles. That's coming from Wentz or his agents. And it's so strong of a report that if it's false, Carson Wentz needs to say it's false. And the fact that Carson Wentz declined to talk to reporters yesterday does not sit well with me for a couple of reasons. First of all, you've got this impression out there that the relationship between Wentz and Peterson is broken beyond repair. You need to say whether or not that you need to address that one way or the other. Either these reports are false or they're true. Either you want to stay or you want to go. But when you're the franchise quarterback of an NFL team, silence in a situation like this 
to me, isn't an option, Chris. I think it was incumbent on him to say something. If you're going to duck talking to the media in a setting like this, maybe I, I, I want to choose my words very carefully here because we heard the reports all year long that he was he was shaken from a confidence standpoint by the arrival of Jalen Hurts. And, you know, is that something that's contributed to his play? I just think if you can't stand up and answer questions when you are kind of at the center of this, it makes me wonder, are you the right guy to lead a team like the Eagles at the quarterback position? Is that wrong for me to think? That? I don't think it is. I, listen, if there's one flaw, I think, with Carson Wentz is he has not embraced the Philadelphia way. Like, you know, hey, they're in your. that's an in-your-face group of people. You, don't be afraid to be in your face back. Make yourself open. Let yourself be seen. Show your emotions. That's the thing we've seen Carson Wentz has issues with. You know, there's obviously an issue with him in the locker room. We've heard that over the last two years about his ability to communicate there. And I don't think he's put forth, you know, the greatest look for himself in front of the Philadelphia fans always either, uh, you know, when he's sitting at the podium and doing all that. I, I, I agree with you that I think what would have been best for Carson Wentz is to talk yesterday and take some of the, you know, questions head on and do your best to diplomatically answer them without throwing anybody under the bus. But I think the biggest thing I take away from that more than anything, you know, right or wrong, it just tells me that Wentz wants out. Wentz doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to have to answer that question because maybe he feels like he can't give his honest answer. Either way, like we've talked about, I think it's best for Carson Wentz to move on. If I was advising him, there's, it's a no-win situation in Philadelphia. Get out. And I think he is bothered by the whole situation. I don't doubt whether he can handle pressure. I think he is fine with that. You know, I wish he would be a little different in that way. But, damn, he did play with Nick Foles sitting there breathing over his back as the Super Bowl MVP and all that type of stuff. But either way, it just feels like it's kind of come to an end there, and I don't think Carson Wentz is in a good situation staying in Philadelphia. I just think if he wants out at some point, he needs to say so. Playing these games behind the scenes, having leaks to reporters, and trying to build your case that way, that is not going to be effective in, in leaving Philadelphia the right way and arriving in a new Agreed. city the right way. And, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm not suggesting he should get on his treadmill in the middle of the night and shoot a video where he refers to himself as Mr. Big Chest, like Antonio Brown a couple of years ago when he went on an absolute spree to try to get out of Pittsburgh. And it was one video after another, one tactic after another. That's way too much. But at some point, Got sit it. down with somebody. Do a video. Yeah. Say what you want. Speak from the heart if you want out. These whispers to reporters... I don't think are good enough, and then silence when there's an opportunity to talk, when there are obvious questions. That's not good either. All right, we got to take a break. When we return, some statistical oddities. Uh, Deshaun Watson edition. We'll look at that when PFT Live continues right after this. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Deshaun Watson is indeed so freaking awesome. Look at this, 4,823 passing yards for a 4-12 and team. So nothing around him. Awesome. He's got nothing around him. He had seven games this year with a passer rating of 110 or more and lost them. Tom Brady, for his entire career, has three games that he's lost where he had a passer rating in excess of 110. Deshaun Watson had seven in one year. That tells you that the cupboard around Deshaun Watson, Chris, is bare. We talked about this last hour as it relates to the attractiveness of the job. There is some heavy lifting that needs to be done in Houston to put the team around Deshaun Watson that he needs. Having the franchise quarterback is not the ending. It's the beginning. Actually, having offensive and defensive lines is really the beginning. Yeah. But the beginning of being a truly competitive team is having a franchise quarterback they don't have enough around the franchise quarterback to be anywhere near as competitive as they need. No, I mean, that's why, you know, I, I feel like he's the the beacon or the great shining example this year for, for people to understand. Like, it's not all about the quarterback. It's not all about the quarterback. You got to build a damn team. That's what the name of the game is. You know, Deshaun Watson it's undeniable. I mean, that he's one of the five or six best quarterbacks. Nobody can watch football and not think that when you watch the Sean Watson, it's just not possible. What is there? That's not good or not awesome. Everything he does is top level moving in the pocket. Awesome. Throwing of the football. Awesome. Touch power, whatever you want to say. It's all awesome. Running out of the pocket, extending plays. Awesome. Toughness. Awesome. Leadership. Awesome. Charisma. Awesome. I mean, the guy's the man, but there's only so much he can do. You know, I mean, yeah, four and twelve football team where they were in most of the games because of him. But I mean, they they're a one and fifteen, they're zero and sixteen team without Deshaun Watson. That's how special he is. That's what he's done for their football team. And yeah, man, they got a lot of work to do there down in Houston on both sides of the ball. He said after the game on Sunday when they lost to the Tennessee Titans, there's no real foundation in view. Yeah. Everyone sees it. That would scare the crap out of me if I was a Texans fan because I'm not saying it's going to happen now. He just signed that big contract. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do to deal with the cap issues and the guarantees and whatnot. But they got one year, maybe two, before Deshaun Watson starts thinking – he's better off somewhere else, potentially. And I'm not saying that I know anything there. I never do. I'm putting myself in that situation. Or son, nephew, cousin, friend, client, anyone you care about, what advice would you give to them? And the advice at some point is you got to get out of here. And if a franchise quarterback isn't all in, this gets back to the Carson Wentz point, if you're not all in, you know, it's one thing for the team to say to a running back or a receiver, defensive end, sorry, we, we have your rights under contract for the next three years. You need your franchise quarterback to be the boss on the shop floor, the guy who's busting his butt, the guy who's rallying his teammates, the guy who's setting the example for the kind of work ethic that they want, showing up early, staying late, studying film. If you get a quarterback who doesn't want to be there and he just decides, I'm just going to do the bare minimum because apparently everyone else is doing the bare minimum too – that's not sustainable. So if he does decide he wants out, Chris, uh, I, I don't think the Texans have any choice but to, to accommodate that if he comes to that conclusion at some point in the future. I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying he's there. But when you hear a comment, there's no real foundation in view and everyone sees it, that puts the team on notice. They better get a foundation in view or he's going to start looking around. Yeah, well, he's not happy, that's for sure. And he's not the kind of guy that's ever going to be like, oh, well, I'm not going to try hard or do anything like that. He's just not. So it'll be to where, yeah, it could be two years from now or whatever, and if it's still the same crappy-looking football team, he's he, he will let it be known. I mean, there, there's just no way. But I think his point is real. And I think he does say that tactically in a right way out loud to kind of let it be known through ownership in the Texans football team. Like, what what do we have here right now? What is the foundation? Me? Like, and only me? Where are we going? J.J. Watt, you know, it, it's over. He's still a good player, but you're not building anything around him. Other than that, what else is there really to build around in Houston? That's what's scary, and that's where it's going to be a really – you know, uphill climb for whoever comes in there to be the GM head coach and do that. 
But the, the number one thing is, like you said, they got to make him happy. That's where I look at it and just go, man, Eric Bieniemy with the Houston Texans, that just makes so much sense to me. You know, his way with quarterbacks, I think he's the right guy that could, you know, light a fire under the organization, keep Deshaun calm while they build the team and keep his eyes on the prize down the road and everything like that. I'm hoping that's what happens. You know, like I said, I'd love to see Eric Bieniemy one, because he deserves it, and then two, I'd like to see Deshaun Watson get a chance to, to play in that offense. They are talking to Deshaun Watson about what he's looking for in a coach, and there are some who would say that's not the player's role, never give the player that kind of power. We've had that conversation over the years, Chris, not you and I per se, but it's come up in right. the media. How, when Brett Favre politics for free agents, when, when other quarterbacks say, this is what I want, that's what I want, Russell Wilson doing that last year. My position is this. If you want the quarterback to basically be a quasi-member of management, and you do, you want him to be the guy who's spreading your message in the locker room and setting the example and setting the tone, you need to give him some management rights. You need to let him have a seat at the table for the big decisions. And you better have a coach that Deshaun Watson feels good about because he surely doesn't feel good about a lot of what's going on on the no, roster right no. now. I think so what you're saying coach is Coach is a starting point. Yeah, I, I yep. get you. You got to make him think he's a part of this. You know, Not that he has to make the decision, but like you said, it's about keeping him happy. He's the prized possession, and it's two years the world can change. So let's keep him happy and, and go along here, but they should be building around Watson. We know that. Otherwise, he's a modern-day Archie Manning who uh, is a great quarterback surrounded by nothing. And Deshaun Watson, arguably going to be a better quarterback than Archie Manning was, so they need to do something in Houston quickly. We need to take a break. When we return, the Week 17 Goats in a Bad Way draft. We'll do that next right here on PFT. All right, uh, and there it is, Super Wild Card Weekend coming up Saturday and Sunday. Primetime games on NBC both nights, and the Sunday night game between the Browns and the Steelers will also be streaming right here on Peacock, which is awesome, and even more awesome after that, a postgame with Michael Hawley and Michael Smith on Peacock as well. So that's coming up this weekend. We've never had this before. Three playoff games on consecutive days I, I can't wait, but I have a feeling that come Sunday night, I'm going to be I'm going to be wiped out after watching six standalone games. That's more windows than we have in a normal week. We usually have five windows, right? Thursday, three on Sunday, and one on Monday. That's five, right? This yeah. is six. Yeah. Six games that are going to all be played in a two-day period. This is great. This is great. Yep. Um, I can't awesome. wait. And and I I'm intrigued by all the games. All of them. There isn't one that I look at and I say, eh, Bears Saints a little bit, a little bit, but only because the other ones are so good. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I, I, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm very pleased with all the matchups across the board. How could you not be excited about this weekend? I mean, and, and the games and everything there. You know, I used to, I, I'm just glad that, you know, Saturday too, it's a one o'clock game. Like that used to kill me on Saturdays. You wait till 4.30 to that first game to start and everything. But man, three games a day, very easily to di easy to digest that. I, I mean, it, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, uh, only thing is, is I just don't know how long we'll have to be at NBC to do our own show throughout the day, or will I be able to sit at a sit on the couch at home? That's the only thing I'm a little disappointed poor about. You, <laughs> poor, poor you. All right, uh, goats in a bad way for week seventeen. Chris, go ahead. You get the first pick as we wrap up the regular season goat award. Well. How I mean I don't how could we not pick the like, Doug Peterson and the Eagles I, I I think that's right now where I'd got to start just by the way everything has gone down since late in the third quarter on Sunday Night Football you know just the the replacement of Hertz for Sudfeld the backlash everything since then kind of the reeling in the post game at press conference and yeah he's in a tough spot now to where he's gonna really have to do you know, some homework here and, and get into some people's ears as far as guys on his team and clean this up. So I'll go with Doug Peterson as my first pick. I agree with the obvious first choice. I'm going to stay in the division. 
Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy for two reasons. And this was the game that, you know, they thought if they win, they have a chance to get to the playoffs. Little did they know that the Eagles had another thought in mind. But there was the moment where it was 20 to 15 after a touchdown and they didn't go for two. I'm I'm no high-end analytics expert, but season on the line, fourth quarter, down five after scoring a touchdown, I think you go for two. I just think you do. I don't need the chart to tell me you go for two in that spot. And then the non-challenge on the catch the third down looked like it wasn't a catch. Right. Yeah, it would it would have forced the Giants to try a field goal. It would have been a fairly long field goal. And uh, for those two reasons, Mike McCarthy, the guy that has Cowboys fans wishing that Jason Garrett was on their interview list for 2021. But alas, that won't be the case. Well, yeah, the season started with some head-scratching decisions there in Dallas, and the season ended that way. So I think that kind of just says what kind of year it was there altogether. Um, they got a lot of things to fix there with the Dallas Cowboys for sure. All right, I'm going to go to uh, Chris Strebler, Arizona Cardinals. Not that it was an easy position, and I'm totally – you know, aware of that, man, it's not, you know, you haven't played football all year. Hey, it's week 17. You got to play in a really meaningful game. Very tough. But I think the, the big thing is seven, five football game, moving down the field, fringe field goal territory. And it was just the way the 84 inner 84 yard pick six interception went down where it was just like, wait, you guys are controlling this game. Wait, you're going to be able to go into the field in the halftime, maybe with a five point lead. And then the actual play itself. I mean, Mike, if you can remember, it's kind of like, what was he doing? Who was he throwing the ball to? Was it, it was so bad. It's hard to figure out what the hell went on. Did the receiver run the wrong route? Did he just have a brain fart and just throw it? I don't know what the hell happened, but that was a, that was the changing point in the game. That was the moment the Rams took over and really never relinquished power from there on out. Maybe he was studying too much Jared Goff film in advance of the game. Anyway, oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel I have mixed feelings about it because the guy got thrust into. Yeah, it's very tough. I know. Kyler Murray got I, hurt. I, I'm I mixed know. too. I know it's tough. I, I, I watched enough of his of his CFL highlights last week to say I don't get it. So I don't know. The Cardinals see something, but I just, I just, I don't get it. All right. Um, next one for me. Not that it would have made a difference in the outcome of the game, but but I, I have to say this. We do have personal responsibility when it comes to avoiding the virus, especially when your job hinges on your ability to, to not test positive and show up and work. How in the hell did Ryan Fitzpatrick let himself get exposed and test positive last week and not be available for Week 17? I think he went to Harvard. I may have heard at some point – in the past 15 years that Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard, I'm not sure I may have to check his Wikipedia page, but how do you let yourself do it? And I haven't seen any explanation from him or anyone else, but this guy would have played at some point on Sunday. And again, it probably wouldn't have made a difference given the way the Bills just steamrolled them. But if Brian Flores had seen it coming early and said, the hell with it, get Fitzpatrick in there, who knows what would have happened? And the playoffs were riding on it. And, you know, we, we harped all year on guys doing smart things to stay safe. That week was the week to avoid testing positive. I know he's got a bunch of kids, but he's he went to Harvard. Come up with a way to keep yourself clean and away from any possibility of getting it with the season on the line. Chris, I don't know. Am I being too harsh? A little bit. I think so. Yes. All right. I that's mean, fine. I know. That's but, fine. I mean, I understand. I mean, listen, we talked about it a lot where you, you got to put yourself almost in a bubble here, but it doesn't mean you're going to come away undefeated against COVID. It's, it is a tough one. You know, I feel bad for him. I really what, – what, I mean, I thought you were going to go with Tua more, li more than likely because – I, mean, I thought about it, but, act, but Fitzpatrick could have yeah, goat. Yeah, it's know, like a double goat. His his goatness added to the goatness of Tua altogether, and it exposed him a little bit to a degree either way. But yeah, not a good look for for them uh, at the end of the day. And I don't know if Fitzpatrick he'll probably be out of Miami when this year's over. Anyways, man, I got a few to pick from here. Tua, I was thinking about that, but I'm not going to go with that since you just went there. How could I not? I mean, I, I'm Teddy Bridgewater, that Texans defense. I think about them with, you know, 18 seconds left and he let a 60-yard bomb down the middle of the field. But really, like, how could I not pick the Bengals front seven? Like, how can you not after what that – I mean, that was that was video game. In fact, that was more – I don't even know. 
Uh, I I used to play Madden a lot. You can't you can't rush for 400 yards in a game on Madden. That is unbelievable. That happened to an NFL football team. You know, Mike, it was so good. It wasn't good when I watched the film back. It was like not even eye popping because you were after a while you were like, oh, run for 10, run for 12, run for 15, run for 45, and then you know you it was so like so the ordinary that you got done with the drive and you weren't even that impressed and you had to kind of go like damn they just ripped off five runs for 80 yards holy crap I mean it was so monotonous and killing that way so I got to go with the Bengals front seven wowzers I, I agree with you on that one real quickly last one for me Adrian Hill the referee in the Lions Vikings game if you haven't seen it there was a roughing the passer call in the fourth quarter when the Vikings were up 31-29 fourth and goal a defender comes through and tackles Kirk Cousins. That's all he did. He tackled Kirk Cousins and got flagged for roughing the passer. One of the worst I have ever yeah. seen. There was nothing there that would remotely resemble roughing the passer, and Adrian Hill was right there looking at it. I don't get it. All the more reason. They Cousins didn't judge even say, right? He's even said it should have been called. Cousins said, I, yeah. I thought it was a bad call. Right. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Chris, throughout the day yesterday, I saw report after report with all the usual suspects lining up for interviews for the various coaching jobs. There's one name out there that I, I've been keeping my eye on, and this is your all-time favorite coach other than Kyle Shanahan. You know who I'm talking about. Jimmy Harbaugh, Michigan head coach. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> he, he 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 has it, I mean it's not a coincidence that every time his name bubbles up on the NFL rumor mill we hear about the extension and as of Saturday the day before the coaching carousel starts to spin well the extension's on his desk he's deciding what to do do you think anyone's going to call Jim Harbaugh and show real interest in bringing him back to the NFL I don't think so no I, I don't I, I mean uh, you know I would be tentative to to do that first off I mean you've stated he, he's been a guy that's been like a three or a four-year thing the luster has worn off there in Michigan to a degree I mean definitely I don't know what you could sit there at and just go oh we got to get him that means we're going to be a winning football team like hands down in the NFL I know they were good with the 49ers but that 49ers team was really talented when he took over so no, I don't expect to, to have a huge market there for him. I mean, in, in the lockout year with no offseason and a, a limited opportunity to prepare, I mean, they, they got within a couple of Kyle Williams fumbles yeah, right. of the Super Bowl. And then the next year they were in the Super Bowl. I, I don't write it off, and I think the Jets are a team to watch. Whoa. I, Coming to New York. Wow. Then I might have to see him every now and then. That won't be good. I would at good. least watch him. I would at least watch him. All right, we got to go. Uh, everybody have a great day. Chris, by the way, tell your dad I said hi. I will. I'll tell him. Uh, see everybody on Wednesday. See ya. <laughs>